0: Tonight, straight from the source, Joe Manchin is an outgoing senator, but is he also an outgoing Democrat? I asked him that question directly tonight as he now says that he would absolutely consider a bid for the White House, while also insisting that he's not going to be a spoiler. Plus, President Biden just wrapped up a crucial press conference in San Francisco after meeting with China's president and fielding questions about Israel's war with Hamas, backing up Israel's claim that there is a Hamas command and control center beneath the largest hospital in Gaza. And Nikki Haley now partially walking back a campaign pledge made just yesterday after setting off a firestorm over suggesting a ban on anonymous social media users. I'm Caitlin Collins, and this is The Source. Tonight, we begin with our one on one with Senator Joe Manchin, who is not running for re election in the Senate, but is considering running for president. Amid a lot of speculation about what he has planned next, Manchin is now openly acknowledging that he is, quote, absolutely considering a potential run for president. He's also dismissing concerns, a lot of them coming out of the White House right now, that he could be a spoiler for President Biden. Manchin's imminent departure from the Senate, though, is also threatening to shake up the balance of power on Capitol Hill. Democrats, of course, there have a slim two-seat majority in the Senate. Let's go straight to the source tonight. And joining me now is Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Senator, thank you for being here. Obviously, Senator Schumer really wanted you. First of all, thanks
1: for having me, Caitlin. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you for being here and for your time. As you know, as well as I do, Senator Schumer really wanted you to run again, but you announced that you are not going to be doing so. Do you think Democrats can keep the Senate majority without you?
1: Well, we'll see. You know, here's the thing. Everybody's worried about the majority so much, and I understand that because it does set the set the committees and sets the agenda. But the bottom line is it still takes 60, it takes 60 to pass something. So every Senator has a tremendous amount of power, whether you're in the majority or the minority, but the majority is always the best place to be. And we'll see, we have uh, John Tester, These are some good people and, and uh, wish him well.
0: Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of key races. You know, you've talked a lot in your time on Capitol Hill about bipartisanship in the Senate. Senator Mitch McConnell once praised you for, for saving the filibuster, which he said preserved yeah. the Senate. But then he flew to West Virginia and directly recruited your most formidable challenger. Do you feel betrayed by that?
1: That's politics. You know, this is not the uh, most honorable profession in the world anymore, but with that being said, it's all about the next election and it's all about the party system. Caitlin, that's the problem. The business of politics has gotten so big because the business model is a Democrat business and a Republican business. And it's really forgot about the people to a certain extent. So all they want is 51 or greater to be in the majority, and then they do—they do so much damage trying to get there that when they do get there, they're not even close to 60. But if you want to get something done, you have to have 60. So you know it's just a horrible situation when every time you're in, uh, you know, you're in cycle, you're up. It could be one of your better friends on the other side. If you have a D by your name or an R by your name, you're supposed to be against the person on the other side, no matter who it is. And it never used to be like that. They tell us way back when, and it used to be an unwritten rule. And now this is fair game. And there's no way that where we come from, whether it be Alabama or West Virginia, uh, that you try to get someone fired every day you go to work and they expect they're going to be your best friend next week. Doesn't work.
0: That kind of makes it sound like, are you going to leave the Democratic Party?
1: Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't know if I've ever, I've never considered myself a Washington Democrat. I've been a very independent person, and I don't really think Does that that, sound, that should
0: have- That sounds like you're well, leaving.
1: Well, no, you have a D or an R by your name or an I by your name. It shouldn't identify who you are. If you change who you are because you change, you have a D, then you have an R, or you have an I, people go back and forth. It's more for the person's political, I think, than more for who the person is. No matter what I have by me, I'm an independent thinking. I vote independently, and I've always done that for 40 years. So. We'll see. I know what you're saying, but we'll see. I don't I, I haven't gotten there yet.
0: But you're still considering that?
1: Sure. Sure. You always consider that. Absolutely. Is it you likely that I'm, you're going to leave I'm, the Democratic Party? And, and, and I'm sure they'd be happy. They might throw me out. So who knows? They might, might do me a favor. I don't know.
0: Since you made your announcement last week, have you spoken to President Biden?
1: I have not spoken to him. I got a nice note from him and everything. He's been traveling quite a bit. I spoke to Steve Reschetti in the White House and he's very, very close to the president, so I'm sure we'll be talking.
0: What did you make of his statement that he did put out? You know, he basically was tying you to all of his his big accomplishments that he's had in office. It seemed like he was sending a pretty clear message with that statement.
1: Well, the clear message is this, nothing would have happened without bipartisanship, and I've been leading the charge on bipartisanship on every piece of legislation, and I'm happy that, they're, that they think some of it's been good. I've not been pleased with how they're trying to basically implement, especially the IRA, and, uh, and I've been keeping holding her feet to the fire on that. But we've done some great things, and we did that basically with a 50-50 Senate. That 50-50 Senate, it was started by bar partisanship, myself, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, just a bunch of us got together and we just worked on all those bills. The Electoral Count Act, we wanted to make sure this never happened again, this insurrection that we saw on January the 6th. And then you go down the line, CHIP SAC, bipartisan infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure bill was pulled out i pulled that out of the bbb because it was something we truly had to have we hadn't fixed any of our infrastructure for 30 years and you look at that and you look at the uh, all the things that we have done just yeah. it was an unbelievable stretch you,
0: it really was you've said you were proud of that legacy uh, uh, not just that what you've accomplished for for the people of west virginia but the question is what you are going to do next and you are very clearly exploring a third party run but are you worried that a third party run for the White House could damage that legacy potentially?
1: Well, let me just say this. Everyone's talking about a third party run. I'm talking about basically trying to resurrect the middle, the moderate middle, the sensible, common sense middle. And right now, I don't care what you say or what people might be thinking. They're telling me that we've had enough. We can't take it. It's just so much visceral. You know, when you have Donald Trump basically normalizing the attacks on human beings every day, you know, anybody that doesn't agree with him, he's after. And I've said this, the country would be in a, in a horrible situation challenging our democracy if he got reelected. And I've said this very clearly. He believes that truly, uh, that the only fair election is the one he wins. He believes that the law only applies to everybody but him. And he attacks anybody that doesn't agree with him. And he uses this horrible analogies of so many good americans just because they might not be in his in his uh, bandwidth if you will so it would be horrible on that and no re, no no truly concern for the rule of law who we are as americans what we're about and that's the thing we're talking about and then i've been to a certain extent on Senate, on uh, president biden he's not the person we thought that was getting elected being a centrist and moderate, he's been pushed so far to the left. So if we have this movement in the middle, maybe we can pull people back to a common sense middle to where they can govern. And this is the long run. It's not just for the next election. You've, we're in this. We have Americans together. And, and my daughter has taken that run with that, the 501c4, that we're going to help people anywhere we find a Democrat or Republican that wants to work for Senator the betterment of the country.
0: With what you just said there about... Donald Trump, and then you said you believe Joe Biden, The President Biden has been pushed too far to the left. I mean, which one do you think is a bigger threat to America, though? A second term well, Don- of Donald, Donald Trump? Donald,
1: well, Donald Trump, I think we would lose democracy as we know it, because he has no regard whatsoever for the rule of law, who we are as a country, basically the tr- orderly transfer of power, and and sowing so much uh, so much problems as far as within, within our system, that he has no regard whatsoever.
0: But that's the White House argument as well as to why they don't believe you should run because they believe that if you did, you'd take votes from Biden and help reelect Donald Trump.
1: Let me just tell you, I'm not going to be a spoiler. I'm not looking for any spoilers, but I'm looking for basically how we're going to govern this country, Caitlin, from the middle. You cannot run your life from the extremes. You're not going to be successful. It's very difficult. You're not going to have a successful business if you're in extremes, and you can't continue to run this country. You can't have open borders. You can't have a runaway debt. You can't have the problems that we have, the challenges, crime and all the things that we've got to fight. We've got two of our allies fighting for their life in Israel and Ukraine right now that we're trying to prevent ourselves from getting pulled into a war. There's so much going on. President Biden has worked well overseas with our NATO allies, I think he's done a good job. And but right now it's going to be very serious, but we've got to get our financial house in order. We've got to secure our borders. And also on top of that, We have an awful lot of people that come here that need to have work visas so they can pay their own way and pay taxes rather than just sucking off the system. You just said you
0: you never wanna be a spoiler. How and when would you know if that's the case?
1: I think, you know, as I said before, this is the long run. We're out there basically trying to say, hey, are you happy with what's gone? Why did you leave? I have a lot of friends have left. Why did they leave so early? Are they just frustrated with the system? I know their answer, but I'm saying, I want them to be more public. And if they can come out and start talking about what they saw, what was wrong, and what had to be fixed, then we can start building from that core again. And right now, there's not that many in the middle. You know that. Not that many centrists. You just say, we're not sure how they're going to vote. You pretty much know most of them are going to vote party-line, whether it be Democrat or Republican. They never did know from me because I was going to look at the issue, and I was going to vote what I thought would help my country, my state, and I could go home and explain it. And if I couldn't explain it, I don't care whether the Democrats come after me or Republicans, I wasn't gonna support something yep. or, be f- or be against something just because they wanted me to do it. I won't do that.
0: But you said, you said you're very clearly not gonna vote for Donald Trump. I mean, you said it would be bad for democracy if he's reelected. And you said you want President Biden to make changes if you're going to support him. Well, what changes exactly are you, do you want to see from the White House?
1: Well, first of all, we don't know who the, you know, we just have suspected that basically it looks as if we'll have a rematch but we don't know where that's going to go. And, and the bottom line is, is that I believe that President Biden has been pushed to the left. He feels like that's where the base of the party or where he thinks he has to go. How many times have they spoken about the Inflation Reduction Act as being an energy security? Have they ever said about it paid down $230 billion of, of debt?
0: Are you saying you don't think President Biden should run again?
1: Oh, I'm not asking and telling anybody what to do. My goodness, no. I'm hoping they see that there's a movement, and he can come back to where he where he started from. You know, that's how that's the election that was done in 2020, Uh, or anybody else. I want to make sure that we have a movement of senators that we're bringing here, Democrats and Republicans, that will be happy to be in the middle because they have support. They're going to be centrist. They're moderates.
0: Do you think that Joe Biden could beat Donald Trump if that is the rematch?
1: I, I can't predict because you know what I've never believed. The only poll I believe is, is election day poll. I'm seeing all kind of numbers, as you are. I can't really predict that. But if it is those but two, it looks, who it looks would very you vote cha- for? it looks very challenging right now. I'm going to wait and see where we have, who we have in this. Let's see what happens. There's a lot to happen.
0: And you're making your decision on whether to, the, to enter the race by Super Tuesday.
1: Well, Super Tuesday. I'm, I'm, that's been said basically. Super Tuesday is when you're going to know exactly who the candidates are going to be by the respective parties. The Democrat and Republican business machine is going to make their determination what they're going to do. And you'll have both of them playing to the extreme. But when do you make your determination? Well, then that's when that's when anything would be starting. If there's people that we have someone that's going to run for the middle or move into the middle and make a run, that's probably when it would start. I would assume, because there's no need to start before that, you don't have to be in a primary. so. I, I, I'm, again, I want to tell you, this is the long haul. This is beyond the 2024 election. This is 26 and 28. This is basically getting people to understand. There is support. The people want you to make reasonable, responsible decisions, not be beckoning and just to be party line votes. You know, it's just awful the way that we've kind of just shoved people to their respective corners and uh, expect that's, uh, the way we're going to have democracy and have any type of leadership position. Because I can tell you, if we don't get our act together, what you saw yesterday, the behavior, and these are good people, I know them all, how they got themselves worked into a frenzy like that, where they wanted to fight, calling each other names. This is not a banana republic, it's not a third world country. This is the United States of America. It's, people are looking at us for leadership, Caitlin. They're looking for us as a superpower of the world to show them how civility, how democracy, how freedom, how you maintain it.
0: Senator Joe Manchin, as always, thank you for your time.
1: Thanks, Caitlin. I appreciate being with you.
0: You heard Senator Manchin there saying he doesn't think he would be a spoiler if he does enter the presidential race, though there's a question about the history of what third-party bids often have done. Jamal Simmons and Essie Cupp luckily are here to break down that entire interview with their thoughts, and trust me, they have thoughts. That's right after this. Plus, also, you just saw President Biden in San Francisco wrapping up a crucial meeting with the Chinese president and taking questions on Israel. Those highlights ahead.
2: That's A-N-G-I dot com.
0: You just heard from Senator Joe Manchin, his first interview with CNN since announcing that he is not running for reelection, sharing his thoughts tonight on President Biden, a possible second term for former President Trump, and whether or not he is considering leaving the Democratic Party altogether. Joining me now is Jamal Simmons, the former deputy assistant to President Biden and the former communications director to Vice President Harris. Also here is CNN political commentator, Essie Cupp, Advisor
2: to no one ever.
0: (laughs) Advisor to (laughs) us. Advisor (laughs) to (laughs) us all, actually, really, our our wise advisor. Jamal, I mean, since you worked in the White House. Sure. How do you think they how do you think they took uh, those comments from Senator Manchin there?
3: I'm sure they take them the way they take everything with Senator Manchin, which is the wait and see, let's see what he actually does, because I think the, there's, there's a little bit of a theater uh, to Joe Manchin in the beginning, where he you know, he kind of uh, dances as if he might not be there, but you can kind of get him to a good place by the time the process is over. I think he's a Democrat. He's, a, he's actually a legitimate Democrat. He's been a Democrat his entire life. The question is, um, uh, does he feel like there's something in it for him running for president other than just supporting Joe Biden. And I got to say, he says that the president has been pushed too far to the left. I'm not sure exactly what it is that he means. He's passed a lot of bipartisan legislation. Joe Manchin was a part of all of that. He talked to some about some of it, including what we're seeing right now with Israel, where he's not catering to the left. He's actually holding to a pre centrist position. I'm just not sure what the too far to the left Biden looks like.
0: Yeah, the left certainly would not always agree that <laughs> no, student loan debt, uh, Israel. And what did you make of those comments about, not just that, but also you know, he's so worried about what a Donald Trump second term would do to democracy. He yeah. made very clear what he thought. But the question in the White House complaint is that he could potentially help with that.
2: Right. So a couple of things. I found that interview, great job. I was confused, though, by what Joe Manchin was saying. I think he correctly identified lots of problems. The extremism on both wings of the party being one, the threat that Donald Trump uh, is to democracy. All that's true. The lack of civility. I'm not sure what he's proposing to do about it himself. Um, because he's not telling us if he's running, he's just saying, you know, we'll be here in the middle. For what? The other problem I have is, I don't know who Joe Manchin's fans are. Um, He was popular in West Virginia, although not popular enough now to win re-election. He isn't popular enough to win re-election in West Virginia, even if he leaves the Democratic Party. So I'm not, who Mansion's Manchin's constituents uh, if he is contemplating a run? And then finally, yes, of course he'd be a spoiler. Of course he'd be a spoiler. I mean, yeah. with someone like Joe Biden whose poll numbers are not great, of course he would be a spoiler for a fairly weak, um, uh, incumbent. And
0: the thinking there is that if it is Biden and Trump, you know, Trump has a very solid base of support. President Biden's is a little bit squishier, as we see in the polls. What do you make of the timing of him saying he believes it's around Super Tuesday that a decision have to be made of whether or not a third party candidate is going to enter this race?
3: You know, I've seen a lot of presidential campaigns decide to wait to jump in at just the right moment. I've never seen one of them work. Right? Usually, when you want to run for president, you go out, you raise money, you put a team together, and you run for president. Early. Early. early, And you don't sit around and wait to see what the win's going to do. I worked on one of those campaigns once. It's not a lot of fun. if Joe if Joe Manchin wants to be president, he should go ahead and put it together and get into the Democratic primary. He's got a couple of weeks left before all these filing deadlines hit. Get into the primary, see what happens along with you know the other folks who are trying to do it.
0: But that doesn't seem to be, I mean, if he runs, he's very I mean, he's making it sound like he's going to leave the Democratic Party. I mean that he didn't say yes outright of that, in course, but yeah. we pressed him on it multiple times. Yeah, yeah. And he made very clear what he thinks about the Democratic Party, at least in Washington.
2: Yes. And I think obviously if he does, that's an indication that he has a few fu- that he wants a future in politics because there's no point to leaving the party if you're going to leave office and you just stay the Democrat that you believe you are. Um, so I think if we do see that switch, clearly he thinks he's got a future either running for president or in some, you know, as a third-party voice um, for maybe future elections. or Listen, he is a prolific fundraiser. He, in the past five years, raised money from 50 billionaires with a B. Um, He's raised a lot of money. Corporations love him. Fox News loves him. He's got a lot more fans on the right than he did on the left, than he does on the left anymore. So maybe he wants to be a fundraising juggernaut. He, He doesn't have no future in politics. I'm just not sure he's got a future as the president.
3: Yeah, let me just say this. I think it's also pretty exciting to be wooed by everyone, right? Everybody wants you to jump in. Everybody wants to see which way you're going to vote. The minute you decide to run for president and it doesn't work out, the wooing ends. Mm. And I think there, politicians like Joe Manchin are very aware that there's a moment where they lose the sexy. I'm not sure he wants
2: to do that. That's a weird image, but yeah. You're
0: right. You're right. We love some weird (laughs) images. Jamal Simmons, Essie Cup. Thank you both, as always. Thank you. Ahead, we have breaking news tonight that we are also following. President Biden just speaking, a solo press conference where he backed up Israel's claim that Hamas does have a headquarters underneath that hospital in Gaza, the largest hospital actually there, that is still being raided by the IDF tonight. That's ahead. Breaking news tonight as President Biden has just wrapped up his meeting, his first conversation in a year with the Chinese President Xi Jinping. Big conversations on U.S.-China relations. Also fielding questions, though, in the subsequent press conference on what is happening with Israel and Hamas. This press conference just wrapped a few moments ago after that high-stakes meeting. CNN's MJ Lee was there. MJ, you obviously were talking to President Biden about this, you know, the high-level military communication that he was having in this big headline, their first face-to-face meeting, but also he was asked a lot of questions about Israel itself and the claims over intelligence that Israel says it has and the U.S. is backed up about whether or not Hamas does have that command and control center underneath the al-Shifa hospital. What did he tell you? Yeah,
4: you know, at the very end, Caitlin, I tried asking uh, President Biden whether he was absolutely confident uh, about the claims. Uh, that there is a Hamas uh, command center under that hospital. And he unequivocally said yes, that he was confident. But when I pressed him on whether there was anything he could share in terms of details, uh, proving that, he said that's not something that he could talk about. Uh, clearly, we are seeing here uh, U.S. officials uh, having to ask uh, answer questions uh, about Israel's conduct in this ongoing war. Uh, throughout the press conference, uh, we heard President Biden sort of carefully uh, addressing the issue of uh, Israel's conduct and whether they are uh, taking enough steps to be careful about minimizing civilian casualties. Uh, And then just bringing it back to uh, the summit here, Caitlin, uh, you know, what the president and U.S. officials here had set out to do in the big picture, of course, was to have a a reset of sorts uh, in U.S.-China relations that had so uh, badly deteriorated uh, over the last year or so. And in terms of just the specific tangibles, uh, we saw uh, this play out, the reestablishment of the military-to-military communications, uh, this big announcement on trying to crack down on fentanyl production. Uh, there was also uh, just the uh, the dynamics that we saw between the two leaders uh, sort of trying to show in their body language some sort of uh, warmth, the walk that they took uh, on the grounds here. Uh, all of that was really noteworthy. Uh, but I did ask President Biden, uh, whether he would still, after today, uh, refer to President Xi as a dictator, this was that exchange. Mr. President, after today,
5: would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a
1: term uh, that we used earlier this year. Well look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he, he is a guy who runs a country that is a communist country that is based on a of government totally different than ours.
4: So the context, of course, there uh, was a reference to when earlier this year the president uh, referred to him as a dictator. Uh, He said that dictators don't like to be caught off guard. This was a reference uh, to a question about the U.S. uh, shooting down the Chinese surveillance balloon, uh, sort of suggesting that President Xi himself uh, didn't have a full picture, didn't have all of the information about this spy balloon uh, that was shot down. Uh, Caitlin, I think it's just going to take a little bit of time uh, for us to get a full, full picture of exactly how uh, China will respond to that comment at the very end of uh, President Biden uh, calling him a dictator. This is not going to be uh, sort of well received probably by some of those Chinese officials. Uh, but I think in the big picture, we are hearing U.S. officials uh, trying to herald this as having been a successful summit where they were able to make some real progress on what they set out to do in uh, resetting U.S.-China relations.
0: Yeah, just a different standard of what that progress looks like, given they're just restoring that military-to-military communication. MJ Lee, thank you for that. Great question there to President Biden at the end. Also, as I mentioned, during this press conference, there are questions about what is happening in Gaza tonight with the Al Shifa Hospital as the IDF forces entered it last night. Israel Tonight released new video that they say shows weapons, ammunition, a radio that were all seized during that raid. It's the largest hospital in Gaza, I should remind you. But it has not yet offered evidence of that extensive tunnel system that Israel says is being used by Hamas underneath the al-Shifa hospital. For weeks, we have heard the Israel Defense Forces talking about Hamas using this hospital as its headquarters, even going as far as to put this 3D animation out that you're seeing here showing these tunnels. Amid these questions going forward about this intelligence, joining me now is retired Air Force Colonel Cedric Clayton. And Colonel Layton, when you look at this and you see, you know, these questions about what exactly is underneath this hospital, is it what Israel says it is? We heard from a senior advisor to President, to Prime Minister Netanyahu earlier saying more will come out in the days and, and weeks to come. What do you make of the fact that they didn't show evidence of that today, though?
5: I find it very interesting, Caitlin, and there might be several reasons for that. Uh, You know, some of them could be that, uh, you know, they are still... efforts made to mop up the Hamas fighters in that area. There might still be pockets of resistance uh, near the with the tunnel entrances. Uh, that's one possible scenario. Uh, but it is kind of interesting to see them not talk about it. Uh, you know, in another report that Oren Lieberman had filed, he had uh, some pretty extensive uh, look at some of the Hamas facilities. And that indicated that there certainly are tunnels there. Whether or not they are underneath the Al-Shifa hospital, though, remains to be seen. So we do know that there are tunnels. The question is, where are they going and how extensively have have they been used, uh, especially in this scenario that the Israelis have painted for us?
0: And on the big picture of this, the other comment we heard from President Biden there was talking about uh, israel making sure he said that hamas could never conduct an attack like what happened on october 7th again those military capabilities i think the question is theoretically or not theoretically literally how long could that take israel because i mean we've seen that they've gone into this hospital they've been there for almost 24 hours now but obviously, Gaza is a very densely packed place. They don't fully know where all of the Hamas fighters and commanders are. I mean, how long could a timeline of establishing Israel's goal here actually take?
5: It could take a real long time, Caitlin, and that's really the problem with uh, you know setting these kinds of goals. You need to set some kind of a goal for an operation like this, uh, but to completely eliminate Hamas, that's going to— uh, be almost impossible to achieve, at least in the next, uh, you know, I would say year or so. Uh, and, you know, we we're really talking about hearts and minds uh, in addition to uh, physical capabilities, and that's a very different scenario.
0: Yeah, a lot of questions about what that looks like. Colonel Cedric Layton, thank you for joining us on this breaking news tonight.
5: You bet, Caitlin.
0: Meanwhile, as you see those strong signs of support from President Biden tonight, there's a rally calling for a ceasefire in Gaza that turned tense outside of the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee in Washington, D.C. You can see here hundreds of demonstrators were face to face with D.C. and Capitol Police officers. We've heard from Capitol Police tonight on this saying that they have made arrests, but they have not specified how many. They do say members of Congress were evacuated from the area after a crowd of about 150 people turned violent. We heard from Congressman Brad Sherman of California. He posted on Twitter that he was one of those members who was evacuated. We're continuing to monitor that story. Also tonight, you heard from Senator Joe Manchin at the top of the hour, not only not running for re-election, but considering a third party presidential run. Next, we'll turn to a House Democrat who has thrown his hat into the ring to challenge President Biden, Dean Phillips is here in studio.
2: I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me. Ina Garden and join us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Tonight, Senator Joe Manchin not ruling out an independent bid for president as he says he's weighing his next move. That comes as we heard from New Hampshire officials today confirming their primary will be held January 23rd openly defying President Biden and the Democratic National Committee with their plans to have South Carolina be the state be the party's first nominating contest. The president will not be on the ballot in New Hampshire, but at least 21 other Democrats will be. That includes Congressman Dean Phillips of Minnesota who is here with us. Congressman, you're running for office. You're not taking the tack that President that Senator Manchin may take in challenging President Biden for the Democratic nomination. Uh, he's considering doing independent. You're doing Democrat. Why should a Democrat voter vote for you over President Biden?
6: Well, let me let me start with the fact that 80% of Americans right now want neither of the leading candidates, 80%. The, the disconnect between Washington, D.C., the political industrial complex, and American voters is graphic. The polls are showing it, by the way. And why? It's time for change. We need a new generation. Uh, President Biden is a good man. I respect him. He's been doing this for 50 years, eight years in the White House. By the way, four months when... President Obama and Vice President Biden had the White House, the Senate, and the House. We could have codified a women's right to choose, freedom to choose, during those four months. The issues that are, we're facing in the Middle East right now are ones that have been existing my entire life. I'm 54. President Biden has been a senator since 19, since I was three years old. These are problems of the past that nobody has dealt with, and it's time for a new generation. Uh, it, it's, it's almost getting to a point of irresponsibility to think that we should do the same things with the same people, in the same positions, and somehow think that it's going to work out differently. No, it's time for change. People want it badly. And I'm going to be the voice for a new generation.
0: So why do you think you're the alternative to President Biden as the Democratic nominee?
6: Well, so far, Caitlin, I'm the only one that has actually jumped into the race. I just saw you in an interview with uh, Senator Manchin. Uh, There are others who tap dance and fly around the world meeting with other world leaders. You know, the water is warm. Get into the race. This is the United States of America. And I would invite people. Who
0: else do you think should get in?
6: Anybody who is competent and able to serve. Because if we turn this country back over to Donald Trump, we will not have a 2028 election that Americans are accustomed to. That's the truth. That is the only reason why I'm doing this. It is absurd, it is irresponsible, it's a dereliction of duty that we have people prepared to run for president that are somehow afraid, afraid of the very system that is supposed to be promoting democracy. So So that's why I say, come into the race. Jill Stein, uh, Cornel West, uh, Joe Manchin, well Kennedy left, I don't think he's a Democrat anymore, but enter the primary, that's why we have primaries. Right now it's Marianne Williamson, me, and President Biden. And President Biden chose, chose not to be on the ballot in the first state in the nation, New Hampshire. That's where we're at.
0: I think Hillary Clinton may have something to say about Jill Stein being in the right. Darn
6: race. right. Third party candidates, first of all, both parties need competition. I'll be the first to say it. The issue is right now, we cannot do something that would make it easier for Donald Trump to return to the White House. And there are four people making it easier for him right now. Cornell West, Jill Stein, possibly Joe Manchin, and Joe Biden. That's the truth. Look at the numbers. President Biden is down nationally, four to nine points. He is down in five of six of the battleground states. His approval ratings are approaching historic lows, only rivaled by Jimmy Carter. And the country is so clearly saying they want change. And why nobody, other than me, has decided to enter a race when 80% of the country wants change is showing me what is really wrong with the system. It's
0: interesting that you're encouraging other people to get in the race. Are you running to be president or Absolutely. are you running so that Biden is not the next n- no. the, the nominee?
6: I am running to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president. I'm running to win the presidency. I'm prepared. I would actually be the most experienced president in recent history, business experience. Nonprofit experience, government experience. President Biden, a good man. He has spent his entire year. You don't think year, he has experience? Yes, he's in one category: public service. Nothing else. Nothing. But the presidency Caitlin, is public
0: service. Yeah, you no, know, the
6: presidency is a whole lot more than public service. The whole the presidency. You must understand the business world. You must understand the nonprofit world, and you must understand government. I'll give him credit for being fifty years in the game, and he's a good man. I keep saying that, but this notion of your entire career, your entire that's not what our founders intended. By the way, that's the problem in Congress right now. Look at the people. Look at the people who are controlling the system. I'm talking to college students almost every day, high school students. There's a reason why Donald Trump is tied with Joe Biden amongst young people. They are sick of this. And I'm saying, let's do better. It's time for optimism, hope. It's time for a new American century. So, By the way, and people are struggling so much, Caitlin, right now. Affordability is in a hugely- It's a
0: massive issue. Massive but, issue. You know, I'm interested Huge. because when you look at other people who have challenged mm-hmm. an incumbent president, obviously an incumbent, the incumbency is its own advantage, sure. typically in a presidential Huge race. Which advantage. Typically when people challenge an incumbent in their own party, it's because they have massive disagreements with them on policy. What are your- What's your biggest policy disagreement with President Biden? Is it the economy?
6: Well, first, let me say the biggest issue with the president is he's going to lose. President Biden and Vice President Harris are going to lose to Donald Trump. Look, look at the numbers. It's just but I, we any, are still
0: a year out. Where When I mean, voters are faced with the choice, you've been doing this for a while. Be, you know those
6: numbers. Different. Every you've had people on your show. Every pundit every week they are more saying the same thing james carville dave wasserman nate silver look look at people of prominence yeah, who have no at numbers, skin in the no, game but
0: but let's go back to the policy question because i do wonder well, where do you disagree add, oh, with oh, president oh,
6: oh, a number of areas i just referenced a few for, for okay let me start with what's going on in ukraine and the middle east okay in 2014 i think it was vladimir putin entered crimea took crimea when president biden then vice president biden was in the white house what did the united states do nothing why do you think we're in the circumstance? Well,
0: he wanted to do more. He wanted to give. I'm telling you, I'm weapons. just,
6: all I'm telling you right now is the truth. In 2014, Crimea was invaded by, by Vladimir Putin. We did nothing. And President Biden, then vice president, was in the White House. I'm 54 years old. This obnoxious, disgusting bloodshed between Israel and Palestinians has been occurring, this horrible cycle for the entire time that President Biden has served in the United States Senate. These are issues that have existed for decades. So you decades. disagree Let with me him just on put, Ukraine? I disagree with the fact that we should be keeping the same people in the same positions, doing the same thing that have led to nothing but war, unaffordability, despair. And we've got a crisis in this country that everybody watching right now knows is real. I'm afraid people in Washington do not. I, I, Joe Biden is a good man. But it is time to pass the torch. They're going to lose the election. The numbers, and by, yes, people but can what say would it's, you say, let me, but the let White me finish, say, let me say The, let the White say House some other would say here.
0: that you voted with President Biden 100% of the time. Of
6: course. By the way, there's only a handful of bills that come from the White House. Not only did I vote for them. Yeah, but those was, are pretty was, big bills. Of course, big bills the and a good start. Infrastructure, chips. Look, infrastructure bill was a, an important bill for the future, no question. The chips bill, the Chips Act, repatriating semiconductor manufacturing, an outstanding bill. The Inflation Reduction Act, really a climate bill. Good stuff. The real issue is affordability. People are struggling. Fuel prices, grocery prices, healthcare, basically unaffordable. You voted
0: unaffordable. For his economic plans. But, but
6: that's just the beginning, Caitlin. Of course I did. And not only did I vote for him, I was a member of House leadership, and my job was to market them. That's just the beginning. The issue right now is not what we have done. I'm making the proposition that we have a crisis of affordability. We have people sleeping in the streets in every town, every village, every city in America right now. There should be an all hands on deck approach to making sure no one is sleeping in the streets. We have a major crisis at the border, major crisis. And by the way, if you think addressing it at the border is the right way, uh uh-uh. We've got to go upstream, go to the Northern Triangle countries, invest our resources, change the asylum policy cannabis legalization the president has not acted on something that 80 percent of the country wants done we have massive issues here we still don't have paid leave we still don't have pre-k child care we still can't afford child care because nobody can even leave their homes and go to work because it's so expensive housing is so expensive so unaffordable unavailable we need a all hands on deck housing production um, uh, initiative as well by the way young people I will have a youth cabinet in the White House. I will have a bipartisan cabinet. The most important issue is this. You asked for about differences. The president has done a good job governing. He saved our country. He was the only person who could have beaten Donald Trump in 2020. He's probably the only moderate Democrat who could lose to him in 2024. He made a promise to restore the soul of America. That Congressman, is not happening. We have to repair. We gotta come together. It's time for a new generation.
0: Yeah, Obviously the White House would disagree with you on that, but we're sure grateful to it's have a your country. perspective and to have you here. Thank you, Congressman Dean Phillips. Appreciate your time. Speaking of the Republican side of the 2024 race, Nikki Haley is now partially walking back a campaign pledge. Her comments ahead. Should social media users be forced to use their legal names online? Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley certainly stirred up a lot of controversy when she said she believed so.
4: As every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's first of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden people have to stand by what they say.
0: The comment quickly drew pushback from her GOP rivals. And today we heard from Haley clarifying. She said it wasn't Americans that she would crack down on if president, but instead foreign adversaries
4: I think social media companies need to show us their algorithms be transparent to the American people I don't mind anonymous American people having free speech okay. what I don't right. like is anonymous Russians
0: okay. and China and Chinese how, and Iranians having free how speech. Would they- CNN's Doni O'Sullivan is here with us Doni I mean I think the first question when she made the first comments there before she clarified and kind of walked them back partially today was is this a constitutional and B even possible
7: um, yeah, I mean, I think. Look, firstly, this is not going to happen. Um, especially, I mean, you can't legislate for this, and, and of course, the questions of constitutionality around this are, are very valid. Um, that being said, I think Haley's comments might resonate, but not actually in the way uh, she may be intended. She was talking about this as a foreign threat, a you know national security threat, uh, but you know, from reporting on people who have been harassed um, online over the years, particularly women uh, online. Uh, I mean. People, you know, have been driven to suicide because of anonymous accounts, anonymous trolls, whether it's teenagers, even a a couple of years back, and I think we have some headlines to show, um, you know, there was a member of the British Parliament who talked about the amount of threats of rape uh, Mm -hmm. that she got at 600, I think, uh, from all mostly from anonymous accounts. So there is this kind of veil of anonymity that people can take and they will go and say terrible, awful things. And to Haley's point is, you know, if there is a, uh, you know, if, if, if you had to stand by what you're saying, um, you might think twice before saying that. However, uh, on the flip side here, uh, look, we've seen the role that social media plays in, you know, bringing democracy to different parts of the world or at least uprisings in parts of the world. And for people who are repressed in like living under repressive regimes, they also rely on anonymity online to be able to speak out or also just frankly whistleblowers people in this country who are trying to trying to speak out where they otherwise might not be able to. Yeah. So look it's not I mean, going to We've hap- heard
0: from people like Elon Musk today saying,
7: yeah. No. It's not going to happen. I think, you know, that that being said is there's nothing to stop somebody like Elon Musk to build a platform where everybody's verified, they have to stay, you know, have their name next to their uh, account. It would be probably a much more pleasant place. Uh, but that's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, but that would, you know, destroy the point of Twitter, right? Exactly. Making it pleasant. Tony O'Sullivan, thank you, as always. And of course, thank you so much for joining us. We have a lot more news to come tonight, including those updates on Capitol Hill. CNN News Night with Abby Phillips starts right after a quick break.
5: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you.